Well, good morning, everybody. Nelson's been doing a series on the kingdom of God, I hear. And uh, I do have my key ring this morning. He, he said, I listened to the sermon and, and uh, he said, Mr. Todd had some keys as a custodian and I, I have some, Mr. Holloway has some keys as, as a custodian and I want you to see, this is about half of them, this key right here opens 62 doors to 62 different places, but this one key opens the same door. In those places. In other words, just don't have keys. So we have to know all these keys. Now, this was the most important. These two keys are the most important keys in the school. Could y'all guess what these go to? <laughs> the bathroom. The, the toilet, toilet paper dispensers. And the paper towel dispensers. I don't know if you've ever experienced having six or seven first, second, and third graders coming running up to you constantly and saying that they're out of toilet paper and out of soap. This one is a special one. This one, this one gets only into the third grade. And unlike Nelson, I do know what my keys represent. Because <laughs> if I didn't, I couldn't get in. Now, this, this key that I'm going to pull out now is, is the most important key. Now, I'm a, I'm a great, I made a great picture there. This, this key gets me into the school. Now, if we, if we forget this key, we can't get in. So everybody has this key. Every employee of Estavia has this key. And it, it's my identity to get into the school. It, it tells them that I'm a safe person. And that I, I, I would assume that looks like a safe person. But that, that we can all get into the school because we all have certain keys that get us into those places. And I wrote down one of the things that Nelson said. He said, having the proper key determines everything. When it comes to unlocking doors and gaining access to the treasure that are hidden behind them, we need to have the right keys. And so that's what we're doing in this series on the kingdom of God. Now, how many of you were told by your mother that if you crack your knuckles, you're going to get arthritis. You were told that? And I'm sure all your mothers are wonderful people. My mother was a wonderful person while she was on this planet. But did you know that there's been a multiple studies done on this issue about cracking knuckles? And there's absolutely no link between the annoying habit of cracking your knuckles and arthritis. How about this one from your mom? Don't swallow your chewing gum. It'll stay in your body for years. You've heard that one too? Well, I'm going to try to pronounce this. I went over this about four times. Pediatric gastroenterologist. I made it. People who study the digestive system said that that's 100% baloney. <laughs> I, I know that because people go, go get colonoscopies and there's not gum in them. Okay? <laughs> And I know that because I've had one. <laughs> How about this one? It's cold outside, Junior. Wear your hat. Because 50% of your body heat's going to go out of your head. Well, that's another myth. It's, it's really only 10% of your body heat goes out. So these are all myths that people actually believe. 
Now, all the myths that I've stated, even if you believe them, won't cause much difference in your life. I mean, if you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're not that important. But what we're talking about this morning, the keys of the kingdom, and what I want to talk to you about this morning does have a great deal of significance in your life. And it's the keys to the kingdom by putting on the full armor of God. And I noticed that this morning from the people that I've, I've talked to so far, that this is something that we really need to do uh, every day. In other words, you know, I can forget these keys when I go home. I, I try to forget them. I can forget when I get to work. If I don't have my keys, I can still get into the school. But listen, if I don't put on the full armor of God, then I'm in trouble as a believer. There are myths that are going around. Now, we live in the South, so these myths aren't as prevalent. But a main weapon that the enemy uses against us is to tell us that he doesn't exist. You know what I'm saying? And he uses people to tell us that he doesn't exist. But Paul, on the other hand, let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to be doing a a two-part series. I'm going to do the first part today, and I'm going to do another part in a couple of weeks. But today we're going to cover the first three pieces of the armor, and the next time I come we'll cover the last four. Now, I know many of you that, that go to work don't rush in and talk about supernatural powers with your boss. Uh, you don't probably mention uh, demons and you don't probably mention evil spirits that, that are operating in your work, uh, workplace. Now, I know for me in the special needs department uh, at the school, there are psychological problems, there are chemical imbalances, there are adherent behavior problems that that come all the time, uh, children running up and down the hall screaming, uh, different, different things going on, and I understand that. I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist or a doctor or a psychiatrist, but I also believe as a Christian that there are other things going on behind the scenes that may be causing these problems. Now, you, you can look at the news and see the reality of, of these these spirits working, I mean, even in Baltimore, Maryland, we saw it. We, uh, we had an instance in a ministry that I was in, and I shared this with you before when I was here, that a, a founder of our ministry was murdered by her grandson, and her body was, was found, and she was killed. And we know that uh, girlfriends are being beaten up by, by football players. We know that... Uh, Children are being tortured. We know that people are being killed all over the world. And, and this cannot just be a psychological condition. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a war going on. And we're not in an extended vacation. We're, we're actually in the war. Now, you may choose to be a part of the war, and you may not. But there is a war going on. So, I want us to look at these, these uh, pieces of armor this morning. So we can get a clear understanding of the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me please? Father we thank you this morning for the armor of God. We thank you that we can put on the armor. And stand against all the wiles of the enemy. And that we have the, the ability as Christians as believers. To, to put on the full armor of God daily. To stand our ground and having done all to stand. And we pray this morning God that you would. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that you put power on your word today as I proclaim it. 
and that your grace would be sufficient for our every need. And we pray that uh, if there's someone here today, God, who doesn't know you, that you would indeed visit them uh, with the peace of God that passes all understanding. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've learned the past few weeks as Nelson is doing this series about, about the war. And it's a war from the cradle to the grave. And Paul in the book of Ephesians was fighting a war as well. And we know that if you read the whole book of Ephesians, that's a whole other study in itself. Chapters 1 through 5 talk about the armor of God. I, I had really never realized this until recently when I was doing a study of the book of Ephesians that it goes all the way from Ephesians 1 to Ephesians 6 and it actually talks about the armor and what Paul is doing here in Ephesians 6 is summarizing what that armor is. So if you want to read through the book of Ephesians, you'll find the armor all the way through it from 1 through 6, 1 through 5. It actually goes backwards. He talks about the, the helmet of salvation and the, the uh, breastplate of righteousness. Uh, I'm sorry, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. All those are in the, in the uh, 3, 4, and 5, and he goes backwards, and he's summarizing in chapter 6 on what the whole armor of God is about. Now, we know from Scripture that Paul was writing this from prison, and he was chained, he was chained to a guard. It says in verse 20 of this passage, it says in chapter 6, For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So we know that Paul was in prison and chained to a guard. Now let's see what he says here. This is an allegory, so we're going to put on the full armor of God this morning. Amen? Let's start with verse number 10 of uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We've, there we go. Follow with me. I'm reading from the New King James Bible. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's good, isn't it? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with a preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's just pause for a moment and just let the... Let that sink into your soul and your spirit. 
We're going to talk about the first three pieces of the armor this morning. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we'll talk about the other four the next time I come. But I want you to notice before we talk about the armor, I want you to notice in verse 12. Just follow with me if you will. First he says, we're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The strength comes from who? Strong in the Lord. I'm sorry. I'm going back to verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the armor to stand. Now notice in verse 12. We do not wrestle. Some people stop there. (laughs) We do not wrestle against who? Flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Now... I want you to look at that verse. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. There are four areas where the enemy brings attack. He brings it through principalities. He brings it through powers. He brings brings it with rulers of the darkness of this age. And also, fourthly, spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, we we center mostly on those four areas when we're talking about battling With the enemy, we're prepared for the Apostle Paul to pray that we're fighting and wrestling with evil angels. We can understand that, but what we're not prepared for is what Paul is saying in the first part of the verse that says we wrestle not against flesh and blood because we don't really believe that. We want to say, hey, Paul, you've had people beat you up. You've had people whip you. Man, guys have run you out of town. As a matter of fact, you've been arrested, Paul, and you're writing this letter Uh, in jail. Man, you're locked up. What do you mean that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood? You are, aren't you? He was wrestling with the people that were around him. We think we've got it rough. Look at the Apostle Paul. How can you say we wrestle not against flesh and blood? A lot of people, like I said, like the phrase, I wrestle not. How many of y'all like to wrestle? We have any wrestlers in here that you wrestled in high school? No, it's, it, it's not fun. You, it, it, it's a lot of work. Grappling, striking, clinching takedowns, throws, sprawling, smelly, and sweating. It's hard, hard work to wrestle someone. No, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood can really be evil. Human beings can do horrible things. Just look at the news. Baltimore, Maryland, as she mentioned this morning, people can be cruel, crude, evil, belligerent, intolerant, unkind, relentless, bitter, angry, mob-like in their behavior with groups, destructive, violent, judgmental, selfish, self-centered, greedy, and that's just a few. (laughs) But you need to understand that when, when someone attacks you personally or someone lashes out at you, viciously slanders you, says all manner of evil against you, betrays your trust, someone intends to harm you, there is behind all of that something deeper, something bigger, something more sinister, something more destructive than meets the eye. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the next time you get in a fight, you get in a quarrel, you get in some type of conflict, you get in a situation... That's out of hand. Remember the armor. We wrestle not. Listen, our brothers and our sisters in the body of Christ are never the enemy. 
You can take that to the bank. Devastating. Flesh and blood hinder the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, yes. But the big fight is being with putting on the armor of God. So we put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, we'll be able to stand. And after we've done everything, we'll be standing. Don't you like that? I want to be standing at the end. I don't want to be laying down. You know, so, so many times we feel like laying down. But to fight the war successfully, we're told two times to put on the full armor of God. That means that we put it on when we're uh, getting up in the morning. We've got it on when we go to bed at night. We even sleep with the armor on and we pray over our minds as we sleep. We don't want to have night terrors and, and things coming against our mind at night. We want to have a restful, wonderful sleep. Because the Word says... God gives His children sleep. You know, any of you have ever had trouble sleeping? You just, you just wake up and you stay up and you can't. You can use the Word. God, you said you give your children sleep. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But you've got to stay faithful to the Word and put on the armor. So let's look at it. Verses 14 through 17, He lists the armor. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We can't pick and choose, beloved, what we want and what we don't want. Well, I, I want the breastplate, but I don't want the truth. Because I'm afraid to really share the truth with people that I know. No, we've got to put it on. Just a side note, if, you, if you'll study this out, you'll see that there are actually seven pieces of armor. Six of them you wear like a Roman soldier, and the other one is prayer in the Spirit. And out of those, I believe five of them are defensive, and the only one that is offensive is the sword. So the rest of them, we're defending ourselves against the attacks of the enemy. So, what are the weapons that we need to take up? Well, I'll tell you this, and you can write this down because this is pretty important. The first three that are mentioned have to do with who we are in life and our attitude toward the battle. Okay? The belt today, the breastplate and the shoes, those have to do with who we are in life in our attitude toward the battle. So that's what we're going to talk about. The next three pieces of armor after those others, the shield, the helmet, and the sword, have to do with how we're going to fight the battle. We'll talk about that next time we're together. So our attitude and how we will fight are included in the pieces of armor. So we need them all to live a full and healthy life. So let's start with the belt of truth. You ready? You ready to put on the belt of truth this morning? Let's look at it. Ephesians 6, 14a. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. I've got a little visual here. This is, what I, this is my belt of truth that I wear every day at work. Now, a lot of people think a belt is... You can't really see my belt, but this is not a belt that the, the, uh, the Roman authorities uh, wore. They wore similar to this... This is the only thing I could do to illustrate the belt of truth. You've got to put this baby on. Why? Because it protects your central core 
of who you are. See, I wear this. Children ask me every day, Mr. Rob, what is that thing wrapped around your waist? I said, that's my belt of truth. I have to wear it so that my back will be in place so that I won't have curvature of the spine because I do a lot of bending and sitting and standing and walking. And See, when we have the truth of God buckled around, I need to wear this the whole, this feels pretty good. Wear this the whole message. If you have the belt of truth, your whole core is intact. See, your whole body is able to function. See, that's why you got to put on the belt of truth. If I was teaching children's church, this would be good. You'd put on the belt of truth. And you have to have that belt of truth on because you have to have your sword. They call it the sabred back then, or sabred. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. The sword would, would ride right here, the Word of God. So you'd have the truth of the Word wrapped around you. And see, you can use that against the devil because why? The devil is a liar. That's his name. So he's going to lie to you and tell you he, he's not going to come to you with the truth. He's going to masquerade as an angel of light coming to you with things that he thinks you want to hear. But you've got to put on the belt of truth. Now, in biblical times, these translations, we, we girded your waist. They use the word girdle. And men, we don't like to wear girdles. But all it is is a belt. If you tell your wife, you're wearing a belt, honey. You're wearing a belt of truth and you're girding up your loins. In other words, you're, you're holding your muscles, uh, your, your, your core being together because you need to have that when the enemy is coming against you. Now, in the book of Isaiah, chapter five, 11, verse 5, the scripture says, Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins. Similarly, righteousness is like truth, faithfulness, the belt of his waist. The prophet Isaiah equated the use of the belt as reproducing righteousness and faith in your life. Another way of saying it would be we are in harmony, harmony with reality. Did you hear that? Harmony with reality. You know the world is often not in harmony with God's reality. If you turn on the television set, you'll see that every day. People are not in harmony with the truth of God's reality. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. They don't see the light. They're blinded by the God of this world. And you are the light in the kingdom of God. Wherever you go, you are the light and the truth because you carry the truth with you. See, the truth secures all the pieces of the armor. Everything we fight for hinges on the truth of the gospel. Now, what is truth? What is truth? Well, I wrote down four quick things here. I mean, this is a whole teaching, but Jesus, number one, is the truth. The Bible is the truth. The church is the pillar of truth. And fourth, objective truth of Christian doctrine. So that's what you have against the enemy to fight with. You have Jesus you have the Word, you have the church, the body of Christ, and you have the objective truth of the apostolic doctrine that's the Word of God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Now, John 17, 17 describes the truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. Would you read that with me? Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. 
Now listen, go on to, to Luke chapter 12, 35 through 37. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knock, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself, there's that word, and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. See, Jesus told us to be watching and ready for his return. In 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That's where the truth lies, in between these two ears. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You put on the belt of truth by having your heart and mind saturated by the very word of God. You also use the truth in your relationships to people. Are you speaking the truth to them? Is there any bitterness or malice in your heart that you're entertaining? Or you need to make sure that you're not entertaining those thoughts. You also have to have sound teaching, biblical doctrine, biblical instruction, which you get every week with Nelson Hanna. Make, your, make sure your mind is embracing that sound teaching. Be especially aware of what I would call designer theology. Designer theology, in other words, is an, a theology that embraces whatever you want to embrace for your benefit. In other words, if you have an addictive behavior as a Christian, and I understand that because I have had addictive behaviors before. And until I realized that I needed to get rid of those addictive behaviors, I thought, well, you know, God loves me anyway. I'm under the grace of the Lord Jesus. No, I wasn't putting on the breastplate of righteousness. You see, designer theology, you take a little of this and take a little of that in order to justify our sin. See, that's not what the truth is. We need to beware of curiosity. In 2 Timothy 4, 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn away from the truth. Turn away from the truth. Two areas of lies that the enemy tries to, to hit us with are lies about God, who He is, and lies about ourselves. So we've got to put on. We've got to put on the truth. And let me just say. If you want to understand about your identity in Christ. Go by Nelson's book. No Plan B. Discovering your blueprint for life. So the first thing we need to do in the armor. Is we need to put on the belt of truth. What's the second piece we need to put on? Breastplate of righteousness. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. In the Old Testament, the breastplate typified the ability to discern or judge between the holy and the profane. That's what righteousness does. It gives us the ability to judge between what's holy and what's not. See, I was told by, by one teacher, he was telling me that a, a soldier used to kill as many as 800 people at one time wearing his armor. Now, that's, that's pretty good. It's kind of like, I think, Samson, didn't he kill a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey? So it is possible because they had that long sword and a dagger. And in a split-second decision, 
if an, a, a, another soldier was coming at him with a wrong type of breastplate on, he could identify that soldier and say, oh, that's, a, that's an enemy. His friend, on the other hand, who was fighting with him, would come and come across his path, and he would know, well, that's a friend, so I'm not going to fight. That's what the breastplate does. It illuminates. It accentuates the situation and causes your eyes to see what's from God and what's not from God. What's righteous and what's not righteous. It means, in Hebrew, to sparkle and separate. The priest wore the breastplate on which the stones of the 12 tribes were fastened, and to the holy it was a mark of approval and purity. Now, the Greek word for righteousness means equity of character that justifies. Let me say that again. It means equity of character that justifies. We are to cover our heart and everything that's vital inside us with the righteousness of Christ. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. See, righteousness includes two things, faith and love. And we're to put that armor on every day. To be righteous is to have right standing with God. Amen? We have that. We, we're justified and freed from condemnation. Now, righteousness has two facets. One, it's imputed to us at salvation. Romans chapter 3. Romans 3. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe. It's, it's given to us because we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We are given a measure of it free of charge without effort. This gives us the right to stand before God and speak to Him as if we were sinless. The theological term is justification. Abraham in the Old Testament believed God and God considered this righteousness. Not only is it imputed to us, but it's imparted to us as we grow into Christ's likeness. Matthew chapter 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will not be filled. They shall, shall be filled. And, and Nelson alluded to this scripture last week, I believe, Matthew six thirty three, Seek first, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. He preached on that, didn't he, last week? He talked about the kingdom of God, but he's also talking about seeking the kingdom. And in the seeking of the kingdom, you seek the righteousness of God because the righteousness of God has been placed in you because Jesus lived perfectly righteous before the Father. He's the only man on the planet that God ever sent to this planet that lived perfectly righteous, fulfilled all the law, lived the law, was raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God. And at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And guess what, folks? He lives inside of you. 
The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in me. So therefore, we are the righteousness of God. Him who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So when the enemy tells you you're not righteous, you can tell him, well, I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm walking in righteousness. I put it on this morning when I was brushing my teeth. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Don't talk to him more than about two seconds. You don't want to talk to him. You want to talk to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's the Father of all, where the whole family derives its name. I got away from my notes. Yeah, because the righteousness of God has been imputed to you. The righteousness of God has been imparted to you. That'll, that'll get you excited. That gets me excited when I'm vacuuming the floor at the school, man. That's the only thing that gets me through the day. <laughs> and the smell of the fumes, you know. I mean, it's... <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Every day we give our sins to God. Listen, don't walk in sin consciousness. My goodness, I've, I walked in sin consciousness for 35 years after I met the Lord. You know, I just, and I'd steal that little thing. Well, you know, yesterday you said that to your wife. <laughs> well, my wife didn't hear it, so I'm not going to go mention it to her. <laughs> Amen? Because I'm under the blood of Christ. Now, when I do these things to my wife, I do go and apologize, Okay. But you are the righteousness of God. And I'm going to skip a few of those verses. And since we're on the righteousness, let's just go on to the peace. You ready for the peace? You've got to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And this is the most exciting piece of armor for me. I just said righteousness was, but now this one's better. You know why? Because when you walk in a room, the peace of God comes in there with you. And literally, if you look at the definition of peace, I, I was studying it this whole last year. I've been preparing this for about a year. I've been studying this word, peace, because I, I'm, I still have, a, I'm a type A. I mean, I've got, I've got to do, 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 do. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> and I'm learning to relax in the peace of God. See, Study that word out. You can look it up for yourself. You know what it is? Deliverance from chaos and anarchy. And walking in calmness. Haven't you seen the poster that says, keep calm and carry on? Yeah, you got it, don't you? That's good. That's, that's a warfare verse. See, what happens is you got to put on your shoes. A lot of Christians don't put on the shoes of peace. They're walking into the enemy's territory barefooted. And you know the Roman soldier, that... There's a lot on the, there's a lot of history about this. You know, the, the shoes that they got these little hobnails, the Roman uh, guards, uh, soldiers, uh, they call them hobnails on the bottom of their shoes. I can illustrate it from America. It's like a soccer player or a football player, or baseball. They have those cleats on the bottom of their shoes. And why do you wear cleats? For traction. So you won't be moving around. Or, secondly, so you're mobile, so you can move quickly. Your peace goes wherever you go, because you're walking in it. You're walking in it. You walk into the bank. 
The peace of God walks into the bank. You walk into the school, the peace of God walks into the school. You walk into an argument. Have you ever walked in an argument? People are arguing, you're just standing there. And they look over at you and they stop. <laughs> Most of you, some of y'all get right in there. <laughs> but the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Don't slip and slide over the place. You know John Wooden, the famous basketball coach? He used to take his players in the locker room and show them how to put on their shoes. He said, you've got to, you've got to wear the right socks. You've got to have them with no crease in there. You, got to, you don't want to make yourself feel, feel great by wearing a size 11 when you only wear a size 8. You know what I'm saying? Or don't wear... A, ladies, bless your heart, some ladies will buy a pair of shoes. That, never mind. I'm not going there. But John Wooden said... You know, get your shoes ready so that you won't have blisters. There's a lot of Christians that have blisters on their feet from the battle. See, the Roman soldiers, when they were battling out in this thing, they, they had what these call these spikes would stick up out of the ground. I love reading about this stuff. I mean, this, most people don't like to do that. I just, I read about four articles on the spikes. It was just amazing. These little spikes come up and they just, you know, they, they, the enemy, you know, ooh, ow, ow. And that's what we do as believers. Oh, the conflict. Oh, oh God, my, ch my child doesn't know you. My, I'm having, they're making D's in school. I've, you know, I, my, my, my cousin's got cancer. My, my, my other daughter's a single parent and I'm having to raise the kids. Life is not a bowl of cherries. But it says, have your feet shod with a preparation, literally in the Greek, readiness of the gospel of peace now the two interpretations we're going to keep skipping guys the two interpretations are this one you preach the gospel of peace to people and the other one is you're fighting the enemy and he comes bringing division anarchy and strife and you have the peace of God inside of you so he can't touch you no matter what's going on around you and I think that's really what he he meant there but there's a chink, if you'll skip over to Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, there's a chink in the armor because people will argue with you. You say, well, Rob, you know, Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace. But he came to bring a sword. Let's read this. It reads this way. Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. The word sword means a judicial variance and to differentiate. So, in other words, Jesus says, I've come to make a clear distinction of what's coming and now exists. See, Jesus was saying that he had to come to distinguish between that which would end anarchy and that which would continue anarchy. That's what he meant there. Not that he doesn't give peace, but people love darkness and they love anarchy. Why? Because they make a living off of it. <laughs> You know, some people love anarchy because they can make money with anarchy. If they got peaceful, they wouldn't have a job anymore. What would happen if all the riots stopped in Baltimore? What would happen if all the crime was done away with in this city? My goodness, the police wouldn't have a job. What if all the people that had psycho illnesses uh, uh, in the hospitals, what if Jesus' power began to move just 
without any hesitation throughout the city, a lot of people would be out of a job. Why? Because we perpetuate anarchy. We perpetuate conflict. We perpetuate chaos. Some people thrive on chaos. <laughs> but Jesus thrives on peace because why? He is the Prince of Peace. So even in the midst of conflict, in the midst of trial, in the midst of temptation, in the midst of cancer, in the midst of hurt, pain, agony... Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give. Maybe to you. I give it to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Is your heart troubled? Don't let it be afraid. Why? Because Jesus' peace resides in your body. The world can't bring you peace. It's not possible. They don't have any. <laughs> Jesus says that the, the peace the world gives you does not destroy tumult and anarchy and therefore cannot bring peace. We focus sometimes on heavenly peace, but we forget earthly peace. See, psychiatrists will tell you that anxiety in the heart causes depression. That can result in a chemical imbalance. Now I know, that, I know that there are such a thing as chemical imbalance. But the majority of what I was researching said that the chemical imbalance is a result of anxiety of the heart. It's not the other way around. Luke talks about the theme of entering the house. He talks about the son of peace being with you. Jesus in Mark chapter 4 Skip over there, talks about the peace. Now that story is a sermon in itself. Jesus was asleep in the boat during an avalanche of a storm. They had a mission. They were going across the lake to deliver a, a, a young man that was full of demonic presence. And the enemy stirred up the sea. Jesus is laying there asleep. I can see it like Nelson Hannah. Nelson's laying in the boat. Nelson, you can listen to this. Nelson is laying in the boat asleep. Everybody's just going crazy around him. And Nelson's just over there in the peace of God. While all these waves are coming up. It's just amazing to me. While all these things are going on, Jesus is over in the boat asleep. Why? Because he knew the four words that he was going to say. Rebuke, peace, be still. And what happened? Have you ever tried that in a situation where you've got a, an aunt and an uncle or a cousin or somebody arguing and stuff and just under your breath say, peace, be still. Just like in the Medea movies. Peace, be still. Amen? Just let the peace of God that passes understanding. So, we've said there are three areas of peace. I'm landing the plane, ladies and gentlemen. You ready? Peace with God. It's the first thing you have to have. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have been justified by faith and I have peace with God. That's where you start. Then you move to the peace of God. Philippians 4, 
6 and 7. Be anxious. Hey, this is good. I wish I'd have seen this earlier. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Look at that word up there. Everything. That's everything. You'll hear teachers say that. The Greek word for everything is everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Whose peace is it? It's God's peace. It's not your peace. And finally... When we put on peace, we have peace with others. Peace with others. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on who? On you. Live peaceably with all men. Now, what if the city of Baltimore put that up on a banner? You know what I'm saying? When you're walking down the street... If it's possible, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live peaceably with my neighbor. You know, I, I had a situation one time where my, where my tree fell on my neighbor's car. And I, was, I, I did this scripture. I lived it. I took action. I, it wasn't my fault. I didn't put the tree there, but my neighbor was irate. And it says, as far as it depends on me, live peaceably with all men. And we reconcile and... Our insurance paid for it. That's, that's what it's in. And, and the second one is, that's an example, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You want to be called a son of God, a daughter of God? Be a peacemaker. Not a peacekeeper, but a peacemaker. And the last one is in Matthew 10. Now, whatever city or town you enter. So next time you go to a city or town, listen to this. Inquire who in it is worthy and stay there until you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. So the peace that you have is going to go out to another individual. And if there's a son of peace, it says one place, in the house, both of your peace are going to be in there. So what I like to tell people is gather together with other believers that are full of peace. Even if your peace is a little bit low for the day, get another brother or sister that's got a higher level of peace and go around with them and talk to folks. You see, two heads are better than one. Jesus said something in John chapter 3. He said this... They will know you. I'm sorry, it's John 13. They're going to, it's not on there. It just came to me. It talks about, this is how they're going to know that you're a disciple if you have love one for another. That's how the world's going to know it. So those times we used to gather a lot of believers when we'd go on missions trips. We'd get about 100 of us in an airport and meet the people coming back off the plane. And boy, I tell you what, that was, that, was a, that was a living example of the kingdom of God in the Birmingham airport. See, we don't, 
We don't think that way sometimes. We think of church, we think of school, but you know, the kingdom of God is within you. The God, kind, loving Father goes with you everywhere you go. So let me encourage you this week to put on the full armor of God. And what are the first three pieces of armor we talked about? Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen? Amen. If there is someone here today who doesn't know God through His Son, Jesus, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we'll invite you to do that. As I'm going to pray for you, and I also want to pray for, for people that may be struggling uh, in understanding uh, why your situation is the way uh, it is. Where is God kind of thing when, when life hurts? And I just, I just want to pray for you that you'll put on the full armor in the midst of the pain. And if there's anything else that we can ask the Lord for, we'll just do that now as we pray. And Father, thank you so much for the armor of God. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.